Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fantastic, but do you know what time it is? What time is it, Tom? It is time for pumpkin pie. It is time for stuffing. It is time for cranberries. And it is time Mm -hmm. for turkey. That must be Thanksgiving. It must be. I would have said football, but we're a theater. Um, we're, we're a theater podcast, and I, I don't think yeah. any of us know what the sports ball is that happens at this time mm-hmm. too much. Um, what about you, Kaylee? Well, I mean, my husband's a football coach, so I, I do know that. But they're actually not playing this year thanks to Corona. Oh. So not on Thanksgiving, not this year. Oh, that's too bad. I didn't know that John. Yeah. John's such a great coach. That's too bad. Um, uh, and, and an awesome guy, too. But we are very lucky, though, today um, is because we do have a very special guest that I'm excited for. I don't know about you, Kaylee, but that I am very excited for, and that is uh, Jim Calkins of Seasonal Catering. Uh, how do you know Jim? How do I know Jim? I think I first met him through the chamber because he was catering some of the chamber events. Mm. What about you, Tom? How do you know Jim? I know him because we went to St. Joseph's Catholic School from, I went from sixth grade until eighth grade. I knew him from there and he was one of my classmates and he did always like to cook. So I'm really excited uh, that he is now uh, having his own catering company. So let's bring him on in, shall we? Hey guys, how are you? We're doing well. This is so cool. So um, this is so great uh, to to be reconnecting with you. When you have seasonal catering, which is pretty cool, and that started what in two thousand thirteen or fourteen? We started the company in two thousand and fourteen. Okay, and so how? Tell us about the company. Tell us about what seasonal catering does. So we're a green certified farm to table catering company. Um, so. What that is, is essentially we're sourcing from local Connecticut farms um, right here in Shelton and uh, Woodbridge as well. Uh, We get a lot of our produce from Laurel Glen Farm and Massaro Community Farm. Um, Outside of that, we try to incorporate as much local ingredients as we can in everything that we do. And I think that's when I saw you like the first time after not seeing you for like ever was at Massaro Community Farm. Uh, which, as we know, we do a lot of work at. um, And you do too. You're on the board, right? Or no? Correct. Yep. I'm on the board of directors and it's really exciting to be helping them um, with all of their farming activities and creating a community place where everyone can come and celebrate the local harvest. That's so cool. And what um, can you, so uh, catering, I, you know, every actor knows about catering, right, Kaylee? Um, (laughs) The cater waiter. I'm lucky that I I will toot my own horn. I have not had to do that, but I've done food service before. Um, can you tell me like some of the like events that you've done or like how grand have they been or how simple have they been? Well, we've done a variety of different events all the way from a backyard deck get together. Um, we've done catering on a boat, which was fun. A nice little 12 person hosted party. And that was a blast. Um, outside of that, uh, one of the larger events we've done was a 1600 person um, conference where we had uh, coordinated in multiple different uh, locations throughout for lunch and snacks. Wow, that sounds like it's a lot. Yeah, especially having to get like, especially being farm to table and everything. Like, you know, did you have to go through like seven different different farms for that? Like, Right. Uh, The larger the event gets, um, the more farms we have to source from, obviously. And sometimes we can only get 
a couple of items here or there to incorporate, but we're trying to incorporate as much as we can where we can. That's so cool. Um, Kaylee, do you have a favorite thing that you have tasted from seasonal catering? Well, you know, I have to say that those apple fritters that they served during Snow White at Masara Farm were so freaking tasty. And I heard that from so many people. They were delicious. And they were, they were hot. They were right there. Oh, it was so good to have those right there in the park. Shared them with my baby and we watched the, the show. It was a wonderful day. And I will say I gained like at least an extra 12 pounds that weekend. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Calkins, um, for that. Um, can, you, can you tell us, can you take us through um, how you, well, I know you can't give the full secret away, I don't think, um, about, you know, how, how did you come about making those fritters? Or what makes them so um, special? Well, those fritters are really just a recipe that I've uh, been using for really basically anything. Mm. It's a basic uh, fritter recipe that we combine with local apples. Uh, we do them also with uh, corn and chives. We've done them with lobster and shrimp before. But honestly, my favorite is using the local apples to make apple fritters. There's and something what, special about Connecticut apples. There is. There I is. I love them. What apple makes the best fritter, do you think? The best apple for fritter, I would definitely say, would be, let me say, you want a tart apple, um, such as a Granny Smith, for example, and you want a sweeter apple, like a Cortland. Um, and the combination between the two really creates a wonderful flavor balance between that sweetness and acidity that will power through that deep fried flavor as well. Wow. And what, um, what's your favorite thing? To make, I know that the fritters were, but what was one of your what's one of your favorite things you've made in, for seasonal catering? Um, one of my favorites. Hmm, that's actually a great question. Uh, we do make a lot of different things, and a lot of things we do make are custom um, that we might only do once for this event or once for that event. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I want to say that my favorite thing to do is really a very simple thing. It's a tomato basil pipette. Um, it's your typical riff on a caprese, where you have a mozzarella ball cut in half, a basil leaf sandwiched between a, another half of a tomato. And we actually put a um, scientific instrument pipette where you normally see people dispensing little microbes or whatever in test tubes. And we fill it with a aged um, oak-infused balsamic. I've and had those. They're delicious. Long. <laughs> I have not, and I feel like I'm out of the loop right now. <laughs> that sounds delicious, is what that sounds like. Um, that's so awesome. So, so I know that we have the holidays coming up, right? Um, Kaylee, what are you doing for like the Thanksgiving holiday coming up? Or do Ooh, you Thanksgiving? Yeah, Thanksgiving this year is going to be interesting. Um, I have my father living with me, and he happens to be a chef. And we are doing Thanksgiving at our house for the first time, so it'll be very special. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And you'll be having the baby first, too, with you as well. Victor will be with yeah, you. Victor's our, like, mascot. That's so great. Um, and he'll be me, 11 months old, so he can have pretty much anything. Yeah, anything so, he wants. I was just going to say, like, he's able to eat at this point. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Victor, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like our, our mascot at this point. Um, he's amazing. He's this baby that is that is Kaylee's baby. Um, but he's like the community baby, I like to say. Um, but he really is wonderful. What was that? It takes a village. 
as they say. Um, but uh, so yeah, you asked about me where I'm going. Um, I usually, I'm going to be going to New York um, and I'll be with Dominic, um, my boyfriend, uh, in, our, in our apartment in the Bronx and we'll be celebrating together there, which I'm kind of excited for since we've had such a crazy year this year. Um, and now what about you? Uh, what about you, Jim? What about you and seasonal catering? What are you guys doing? We're going to be making a delicious uh, Thanksgiving meal for everybody. Um, we've got it live right now for everyone to order on. Mm. Um, you know, your typical trimmings with a roast turkey, stuffing, sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, you name it, it's all there. That's awesome. We'll have to put that in the show notes, Kaylee. Yes. So, um, I've, I've, I was reading about it and I was like, oh, why don't we just do this? Um, this sounds so good. Will you, will you guys deliver to the Bronx? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that far. But you, know, okay. you can always right, pick right. it up and bring it with you. That's true. This is true. Um, but that's so cool. So another cool thing that I wanted to really talk about, um, being that we do a lot with the Bard and Shakespeare, um, is the the I love the history, right, of the Elizabethan era. It's so with so many innovations were being done at that time. Um, you had a strong ruler like uh, Queen Elizabeth at that time. Uh, also, the arts were flourishing, um, but I really wanted to talk about uh, the food. And also, Elizabethans loved a good holiday, right? There's plays that were written about the holidays. Um, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, the nurse talks about how, you know, oh, Michaelmas is coming soon. And, you know, they talk about uh, the, the whole opening of Julius Caesar is one big party, basically, too, um, until, you know. What happens. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, the Elizabethans really loved to party. The theater was a kind of a party for them too. So uh, can we talk about a little bit about the history of like, where was food at that time? What was going on? Food at that time was really boring, actually. What? I mean, it, it was super boring and super exciting at the same time. <laughs> it was just at the advent of where the new world was being discovered. So you had these great new influxes of potato, cucumber, corn, beans, squash, pumpkins, gourds, chocolate, vanilla, and most importantly, cheap sugar. Um, before that, uh, pretty much everything was bland. Um, there was very little seasonings. Um, sugar was used exclusively for royalty. So if you weren't royalty, everything you made was very unsugary. <laughs> <laughs> it was known that actually Queen Elizabeth loved her sugar, that like her teeth were so black from sugar that actually women started like blacking out their teeth basically to be like, yeah, this is in vogue. We could all do this. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's awesome. And a lot of our traditions actually come from that era, which is kind of fun. Um, a lot of the um, spe spectacle of the holiday where you set everything out and lay it down on the table and present it actually came from that era when it was perceived as a um, status of where you were in society. Um, so obviously the more grand your table was for the holiday feast, the more wealthy you were. And it was a symbol of status that everybody wanted sugar to be a main partaking of everything. It was put on vegetables. It was put on meats. They would actually boil some meats inside of a sugary water liquid. And it was a really interesting time of gross food and delicious food that we see today. That's so cool that you say that, especially like that chocolate and vanilla were really not around until then, which is so, so neat um, because of exploring. And Shakespeare talks a lot about it, of exploring in plays like, um, 
the uh, uh, Twelfth Night, and of course, the Tempest is all about um, exploring go exploration gone wrong. Um, but it's uh, it's really neat to see that. Also, like, what were the um, you know were people still eating with hands at this point? Like, where where were we civilly at this point in eating? So at that point, we really just started getting utensils on a commoner's kind of a place. Um, you would actually see more and more people bringing their own utensils with them. And if they had utensils, that was a status of, you know, they were a somebody. Um, other than that, um, they were eating with their hands, unfortunately. But uh, it was good manners never to put something back on the plate once you took it from the plate. So, you know, they had a, a little bit of manners back then. Um, spoons were becoming the new thing. Um, outside of that, forks um, were pretty much in the royalty zone. Um, you had to be somebody of wealth to have actual fork. But a, a lot of the more commonplace things that we know as like napkins um, started in that era where it, the formality of eating became a real thing. Wow. That's so cool. It's funny that you say about like not putting anything back on the plate. I thought that was like an Italian thing is what it is. Like how many times was I yelled at by my parents that like you eat everything on that plate. You do not put it back. Your nanny will be so upset. We still have that problem at the age of in my 30s. Um, but that's awesome. That's great. Fast forward to like 2020. We're in a pandemic as well too. Like imagine having to bring your own I wouldn't be surprised if people are bringing their own silverware with them, right, to their yeah. holiday parties right now, right? I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I mean, there were, you know, plagues, of course, back then that were extremely deadly, um, mm -hmm. kind of like what we're in now. Um, how has business been um, for you since the shutdown and everything? Has it affected the catering industry, COVID? It's definitely affected the industry, um, as a lot of the unfortunate parts about our hospitality industry is that we gather people together and we celebrate and we have parties and we entertain and unfortunately that's one of the things that uh, we really can't do right now that's too bad same here same here but we we keep trying we keep trying um also uh i forgot seasonal catering was also at our show both shows so they were at snow white which was so great um, and thank you guys for being there. But also you were there for Cyrano too, um, with a with a truck, which was pretty neat. Do you do a lot of that where you bring trucks to different festivals and things like that in a non-COVID world? Uh, we actually used to do it before COVID broke. Um, it just so happened that um, it was a easy answer to the COVID um, problem. Um, yeah. We've done festivals for plenty of people before. Um, we've done the May market at the Hillstead Museum um, quite a few years. We've even done a couple down at the Stanford Nature Center Museum. Um, and those are always a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people coming through and you're able to serve, you know, a lot of different people or even a, only a couple people, one or two things. And it's well worth seeing people enjoy everything. That's so great. Is that what you love about um, cooking and having, a, and having a business? Or what's the best thing Absolutely. about it? <laughs> yeah, that's the most fulfilling thing is actually having people enjoy what you're creating. I understand that one. Do you Lovely. have anything else that you would yeah. like to add as far as was there a specific kind of food from the Elizabethan times or any other time that you think might be uh, in interesting for people to hear given that it's Thanksgiving coming up? Um, do you know anything about the first Thanksgiving or what they ate well, there? Or um, like a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff I was kind of um, looking back on uh, a lot of the history of was like where did stuffing come from? Where did pumpkin pie come from? And um, 
the more alarming thing was that stuffing was not quite as we know it today. Um, it used to be this um, concoction of minced meat, fat, cloves, um, ginger, and it was this really weird mixture that we wouldn't recognize as stuffing today. But what we recognize as stuffing today came from the poor man's version where they couldn't afford the fat or the meat or the spices. So they would simply take what was available to them in mass, which would be vegetables and bread. And there you go. Hmm. And another um, interesting fact would be that our traditional turkey that we would serve um, comes from an Elizabethan um, decree. When she defeated the Spanish Armada, she decreed that everybody would serve a fattened goose. And a lot of the poor couldn't afford the goose and a new thing came from um, the New England area, the turkey, which was cheap and it was easy to fatten up. And so we have today as uh, almost a global thing where turkey is a very well-known and used feast item. That's that so is very interesting. I had no idea. I love that. I love that connection. Yeah. And one more question for something you. like pumpkin pie as well um except it wasn't in a pie and it was more of a stewed sauce <laughs> with um it would have uh, goat's milk or cow's milk or whatever milk they had at the time um, more to the like would be cow's um goat's milk rather um, and they would just stew it and they would have a little bit of whatever they could find seasoning wise with them which would be typically nutmeg and it would just be this um, almost like a porridge-like consistency, but using the natural um, gourds in the area. So how do you know all of this? <laughs> well, we actually have, um, we go through culinary school with like a bit of a history lesson, if you will. Um, pretty much the history of where food has come from and you know, once you know where it came from, you can actually bring it into the new new modern age with different variations. So where did you go to school? I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. I've been there. The food is delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a, not, not the worst school to be from. Uh, that's awesome. Excellent. Yeah. And one really um, cool fact that I was learning was that the traditional croissants that we kind of take for granted and always have at everything because croissants are delicious, yeah. actually was um, created in response to the Turkish defeat in Vienna. Apparently um, they were, I guess, inundated by Turks at one point and they ended up overturning the Turkish army. And to celebrate that defeat, they actually made the Turkish symbol, the crescent, in, inside of a dough and everyone ate them to symbolize the defeat. A lot of our food traditions comes from defeating another country <laughs> or army for some reason. And it's that celebration <laughs> of the defeat that we kind of memorialize. That's so cool. Well, I mean, food is used to celebrate when you look at it, right? I mean, holidays, birthdays, right? Uh, so it yeah. makes sense if you're, you know, celebrating the end of a war or a defeat or what have you, why wouldn't you? We are actually one of two green certified catering companies in the state. Um, so what the green certification means to us is we're actually um, held accountable to being sustainable. 
where there's plenty of companies out there will actually say they're green friendly and sustainable, um, whereas we're actually accountable to an organization that certifies us. So they'll go through our records of how much water we're consuming, how much electricity we're using. Um, what are we doing to stem our food waste, for example? Like we actually will take our food waste and we'll compost it. Um, we'll bring it to either the local farms or we'll actually compost it on our own property where we grow some of our um, herbs and edible flowers that we use. So, yeah. Do you have any, any tips or anything for people who want to gather or are worried about maybe is it safe to gather right now and, and have share a meal together as far as any time or especially for Thanksgiving? Are there any best practices that you've seen? Anything interesting that people have done to, to help social distance or, or whatnot? Well, air circulation is very important right now. So even just having windows open on that day would really help stem you know any spread. And just making sure that uh, everyone is behaving in a safe manner. If you know you have a little bit of a cold, maybe it's not the best time to go out and celebrate with everybody. Maybe having a Zoom call together would be a better solution. Um, always erring on the better safe than sorry is always a better thing when I think about it. That's great. So where could uh, people find you um, uh, uh, for seasonal catering? So Currently, we're kind of moving towards more of an online presence, um, just to kind of keep ourselves relevant in this um, downturn of uh, industry. Um, so we are actually pushing most of our stuff uh, through our online uh, new store portal uh, at www.seasonalcatering.net. And you can find our um, online um, offerings at our at-home catering. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for being here. That was great. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. The Bard on the Pod episodes are released monthly. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more information, visit vsfestival.org. Thank you for listening to The, the Bard, Bard on the Pod. Podcasting theater as you like it. <laughs>